Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. Yo, I told you, you can't touch this. Why you standing there, man? You can't touch this. Yo, sound the bell. School is in, sucker. You can't touch this. You're going to love this. We do every new song, every old song. There's no format. There's no rhyme or reason. It's Nuanez now. Welcome in. It's a beautiful Friday. I mean, I don't even know what to do with myself. It's like 60 degrees. I almost wore shorts today. I'm sweating. Had to turn it down here in the ESPN Missoula studios. But we are rocking with you as we complete the first week of 2021. I am Coulter Nuanas. If you're listening to us on the radio, you already know it's 102.9 ESPN Missoula. If you're watching on TV, you already know it's SWX Montana Television Statewide. If you want to listen to us live or maybe you got to go get in your car, you want to listen on the phone, your mobile app, Go hit up the website, 1029ESPN.com. There, you're going to click on the Listen Live tab. That's where you find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a call today, it's easy, 406-361-3688. That's 361-3688. You can also text that number as well. So if you want to give us any feedback on what we got in the show today, go ahead and either give that phone call, that phone number a call or a text. Let's go through what we got in the show today. Kyle Sample. Good buddy of mine, as well as a former colleague, former sports writer. We call him a recovered media guy joining me in studio. We're going to talk a little bit about the breaking news out of Boise State. Jeff Choate not hired by the Boise State Broncos. He was a finalist. Boise State goes with Andy Avalos. I think a collective sigh of relief around Bobcat Nation, maybe a uh, collective grumble around Grizz Nation. But if you are a University of Montana fan, I'm telling you, you want Choate to stay because this is the uh, this is the matchup we want. It's the best thing for the state, and I think that it'll keep Bobby Howe and the boys hungry as well. We're also going to do some NBA contenders and pretenders. It is a Friday, so that means we got some Dobie's Teriyaki to give away as well uh, because we have our 12 for the 12 segment with Mike Dugar from The Athletic. Mike is the uh, beat writer for The Athletic covering the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks in action tomorrow. There's three NFL games. We will get, get to those in the second hour as well. Three NFL games tomorrow, three NFL games on Sunday. One of those games is the Seattle Seahawks game, so stick it right here if you want to listen to the broadcast. We are the official affiliates of the Seattle Seahawks for all of Western Montana, so from about... Oh, I'd say 11.30 tomorrow morning all the way through the post game. We'll have Seahawks coverage for you, and it is the in-house broadcast, so it's in-depth coverage, and it's one of the best broadcasts you'll find anywhere, especially when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, that game tomorrow, 
kicks off 2.40 p.m. Also going to talk a little bit of high school hoops. All three of Missoula's Class AA boys basketball teams won yesterday. It's been a while since that happened because Big Sky hasn't won any games in a couple years. Top of the hour, we're going to be joined in studio by our good buddy Jim O'Day. He wants to talk a little bit about conference movement. He is the former athletic director at the University of Montana. He still talks to a lot of athletic administrators around the West and around the country, quite frankly. And there's some fracturing that could be coming up, particularly when it comes to Boise State. They might be moving independent What does that do for the Mountain West? What sort of opportunities does that provide for teams in the Big Sky? And we also have some exodus from the Big Sky with Southern Utah now officially joining the WAC. That news reported and confirmed a little bit earlier today. And then if we have time, I'll have a little bit of NFL picks against the spread. And we might even play a little bit of what I teased yesterday, our Grizz Greats interview with John Casper. Our Grizz Greats podcast series marches on. 25-part podcast series commemorating the 25th anniversary of Montana's 1995 National Championship. John Casper, a senior commissioner at the Big Sky Conference, but back then was a sports writer working at the uh, Missoulian covering that team, and he's also from Great Falls. Same age as Dave Dickinson, so he chronicled that career for a long time. Sample, my man, what's up, dude? How you been? How, what's going on? Yeah, I'm just gl- I'm glad to be here. You reached down into your bullpen. <laughs> the last guy in your bullpen brought him in. Yeah, right, dude. You throw the heat, dude. If you no. would, if you if you didn't have yourself a nice, good, normal guy job where you get good hours and a normal <laughs> schedule, I would have tried to get you in here full time. So a lot of people know our previous relationship. You and I have obviously been friends since high school, growing up in Missoula, but we've also worked together at various stops. Uh, kind of some crossover at the student newspaper in Missoula, but then uh, you worked with me at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, and then we lived together when you were working at the Chronicle and I was still living in Bozeman, and then you worked Helena Independent Record, Missoulian, and then came back around, came over to the good side, worked for SkylineSportsMT.com, and then you've been a recovery media guy since then. Tell people what you're up to. Oh, no. If we want to keep these people listening, we don't want to <laughs> what well, I'm doing. Broadly, you're not asleep. working in journalism anymore, no, I'm not. right? I'm not. I work, uh, I do consulting, I do tech work. Uh, big change for me going from journalism to what we what I do now. Went from working with letters to working with numbers and trying to figure out what math is again. So, yeah, it's been a huge change, but um, it's been great. I love being a sports fan again. Yeah, not, not having to be objective. Right. It's a lot more fun to be subjective. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. And you don't have to stay up till midnight writing stories like I did last night. Yeah, yeah. Let's, before we get to the NBA, I want to ask you your thoughts on this just broadly. It's been uh, just cooking all week long, the Boise State opening. When the Boise State job first came open, when Brian Harson left to go to Auburn, Jeff Choate's name immediately surfaced, especially in regional circles. He's from Idaho. He coached at Boise State from 2006 to 2011 on Chris Peterson's staff. He then circled back around and coached for Chris Peterson again at the University of Washington. But there was a lot of names that we thought, well, I think these guys are probably going to rise to the top of the heap. Honor for Choate to be in the mix for sure. But, you know, Caleb Moore is the winningest quarterback in the history of college football and then has now several years of NFL experience as the offensive coordinator at the for the Dallas Cowboys. And he reportedly was the top candidate and actually did tentatively accept the job, but then he wanted to uh, place his own AD, so then he backed out of the job. And he even had a quote basically referencing um, not the instability, but his uh, his – he was tenuous about Boise State's dedication to football. I thought that was an interesting quote. But then that basically left two finalists. I didn't really know if Choate would get into the mix as a finalist, and then he did. And then, in the meantime, Boise State doesn't have an AD at the time. They hired Jeremiah Dickey. Dickey was in Bozeman yesterday, as well as in Eugene, interviewing Andy Avalos, who's the defensive coordinator for the Oregon Ducks and also a Boise State alumni, a guy who worked for both Peterson and Brian Harson at Boise State. And it kept looking like it actually might be Choate. It actually might be Choate. There was reports from Football Scoop saying Choate had risen to the top of the the heap and that Chris Peterson was backing Choate fully. But then today, this afternoon, literally probably 15 minutes ago, uh, good reporting, by the way, by B.J. Raines of the uh, Idaho Press, the Boise newspaper. Um, he, he was tracking the planes and and all that stuff. And uh, he, he even went to the – I thought this was good. You, you've covered coaching services. We've covered coaching services oh, together. It's, it's really fun. It's really, it's really thrilling. But uh, this was a good one. He went to the advertising department and asked them if they'd had any interaction with the athletic department. And they said, well, yeah, they bought an ad for Sunday. And he said, well, find out what the ad's about. And they said, it's about the new head football coach. So then B.J. Rands reported, hey, it's going to happen in the next couple of days because they already got the ad purchased. I thought that was good reporting. But either way, Andy Avalos, reportedly the head coach at Boise State, not Jeff Choate. Just your overall broad thoughts on this whole saga. 
I don't know much about Andy Avalos. I'm a USC fan. I have a USC mask I even wore in here today. Uh, but I don't know much about him as a, as a coach. Um, when this happened and it made sense that Choate's name was involved and was mentioned right away and because he has the back end of Chris Peterson, it totally made sense. But I never took him seriously as a candidate because if you look at the last two coaches that were at Boise State, Chris Peterson went to Washington. Right. And Harson goes to Auburn. Right. So if you're jumping from Boise State to elite schools in sure. a Pac-12. Well, Dan Hawkins went to Colorado before right. that, too. And, 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 and it flamed out. But at the time, Colorado was a really good job then. Yeah. It hasn't been since then. Part of the initial uh, fallout was Dan Hawkins' failures there. But right. it was a good job when he took it as well. Right. So it's like you are – if you're a coach and you go to Boise State and you do well, which you think you would because they're – you know, over the last 20 years, they're phenomenal. 244 and 40 over the last 20 years. That's right. amazing. It's got to be a, a top 10 record in college football. <laughs> I mean, top five even maybe, Poss- right? Possibly. So if you are jumping from Boise State to Auburn and Washington, I would think that every coordinator in the country is would look at Boise State and be like, okay, how can I get my name in there? If I can go and do well five years and then I can go and be at a top-level SEC school, which Auburn has been, mm-hmm. it's won a championship in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. Been to another one. Um, I just was like, yeah, Choate's a nice name, and he's got a nice backer. Sure. But I never took him seriously. And then he just like, I just don't know what happened at Boise State. I don't know. Sure. I was amazed that they did not get better candidates. I really am. Well, I think that there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I think, one, their number one candidate was Kellen Moore, and that would have been a splash hire. He has no head coaching experience, but... He did win 50 games during his time as a quarterback at Boise State. He's a legend in Boise and in the state of Idaho. And then he's been in the NFL. You could say, oh, well, it's just with the Dallas Cowboys. But the Cowboys on offense has been the the last of their problems. They've had a lot of other problems other places. But I think the other factors that go into this are, one, because of the pandemic, some serious financial concerns for the state universities in Idaho. A lot of Boise State employees were furloughed. This last couple of months, and I know Brian Harson didn't take a furlough, but but did take a significant pay cut during this last year. So maybe that is a factor. I think there's a lot of instability when it comes to the Mountain West. And Jim O'Day, former Montana Athletic Director, will join us in the second hour to break down some of what's going on with the Mountain West. There could be some moving parts here. But mainly it's the TV contract that Boise State once had that they no longer have that's caused for this disruption within the Mountain West. When the WAC first started, when Boise State, Idaho, and Nevada moved out of the Big Sky to help form the WAC initially, then when the WAC disbanded and the Mountain West rose, the initial TV contract, Boise State had a clause in it where they could keep all the money for their regional and national games and not have to revenue share it. Then when they signed a new contract about a decade ago, they kept that clause in the contract, but then a couple years later, the Mountain West forms the Mountain West Network. Then all of a sudden, now everybody's got revenue sharing. But because of this special clause in the contract, it would be like if Texas was part of the Longhorn Network and the Big 12 Network. You're getting your own money and the shared money, and you don't have to share your money. That's where Boise State was at. Boise State was getting the twelve to fourteen million dollar kickbacks from the Mountain West Network, but then also when they're playing a you know a Thursday night game on the Smurf turf, they're getting all that money too. And so that's not happening anymore, though. The contract was up, and Mountain West said, "Uh-uh." And so now Boise State is exploring maybe moving to the AAC for all sports but football. They're exploring maybe going to independent in football. And so I think that that's where Kellen Moore fell. That's why he wanted to hire his own athletic director because I think he was thinking, if we're going independent, I want to hire a stud that's going to not just stay status quo. Because right now, Boise State's got a role. They got facilities, they got all of it, but they got it rolling for their level, right, in the Mountain West. They don't necessarily have it rolling for, if you were to go independent, depends on where you're going to go independent, right? If you're doing an Idaho independent, playing a couple money games and then playing some Sunbelts, that's one thing. If you're going Notre Dame independent and now all of a sudden you're playing USC and Penn State, you better crank it all the way up. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that makes sense. But if if you have a say, you do stay in the Mountain West or you do go to the uh, American Athletic Conference, whatever their whatever their future is. Sure. If you're a coach and you're just looking out for yourself, obviously you take that stuff into consideration. But Boise State is not your end all be all job for anybody, right? Like nobody's staying there for twenty years, right? Right. So if you are just like, well, maybe Joe would have. 
No. But but it, it, that, that would have predicated success, right? If you were just planning out your life and you're like, I have a 10-year plan. You go spend five years at Boise State, you win 10, 10 games a season, and then who knows? You could be the next head coach at Penn State, right? And then you're making $7 million a year, $6 million a year. It just seems like if you are a coach and you see that as a as a jumping-off point to a, to a better future, it seems like it's as stable a place as there has been over the last 20 years. Sure, there's these things that you have to take into consideration now and you have to flip the coin on those, but you kind of have to do that if you go to a lot of places right, right now during this time period where athletic departments are not sure how much money they're going to have. So I, would just, I was just really surprised at that. And then I didn't know that Kellen Moore was like, hey, I'm Kellen Moore. Give me my own athletic director. Right. It's like, what are you do? Who are you? <laughs> right. I know you like were a really good quarterback there and you've been uh, offensive coordinator sure. in the NFL. But sure. like, Really? You think you could just name your own athletic director? I, you make a good point, too, where you say you thought that they maybe would have um, a broader pool of candidates. I think not having an AD was part of that, though, because the the president, Dr. Marlene Trump, she went to Chris Peterson and said, I need your help advising me on this. I'm going to start working on this. And that's where the initial candidates actually emerged before they even hired an AD. Makes sense. And I think you have to wonder if they were trying to cut costs or have a budget or if they just they said okay we're going to keep this focus and we're only going to go for guys that are have been a part of the program specifically Chris Peterson's program I don't know because you're right I mean you'd think that coordinators from all over the country would be in the mix here especially for you know, like I, I I thought of a guy like Matt Lubick for example you know he's yeah. he's got regional ties he's been a coordinator at the top level of football he's at Nebraska it's not working out at Nebraska this could be job security where he goes right. makes a run and I mean he's been an offensive coordinator in the SEC the Pac-12 it, that would be a way more splashy higher than this because Avalos is coming from the Pac-12 but he's only been there for two years and it's not like Oregon has been just lights out on defense or anything like that right no I mean I, I mean they've had they uh, they're going well. They could have really been this year, but they had a bunch of opt-outs and stuff um, in their secondary. But I mean, I don't know. It just seems like Boise State. You could, you could go and then you could leave from somewhere else. And I just, I'm just amazed that Choate lasted this long. And uh, what, what, what was the last coach paid there? Like 1.9. I think, I think Harson made 1.8 and change last so year. If, so if they are cutting costs and you. You chop that down to like one point four. Sure, still pretty solid. Oh, it's still, still really solid. Good. I mean, you're still making seven times what your base salary is. Choke, by the way, did sign a contract extension this off season. It's something that hasn't been officially announced by Montana State because uh, I know they wanted to keep it you know, a little bit mum, just because contract extensions and big raises this at this time in the world when everybody's Breaking news. Breaking yeah, news. yeah, when everybody's not really doing it. But but Choke's base salary now is up to two hundred six thousand. But that pales in comparison to uh, close to. Uh, Two million. It is Nuanas now. One hundred two nine ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Kyle Sample joining me in studio. Let's talk a little NBA. We were watching some NBA last night. Had a bad beat. Well, actually, not a bad beat. We just made a dumb bet. But here nor there. Uh, gambling is for losers, kids. Don't do it. It's thrilling. It's fun, and it's a waste of your money. Spend it on Bitcoin. <laughs> Spend it on Bitcoin. That's exactly right. Or the stock market. Or a chair. I don't know. Anything. Buy yourself some dinner. Some rice. Anything is going to work. Uh, but we're going to play a little pretenders and contenders here. So um, first of all, I think that. You and I would both agree that the defending champion, reigning champion, Los Angeles Lakers are certainly contenders. I think they got significantly even better from the team that won the championship a year ago. Yeah, I th- I mean, I was telling you today, I think their number is one, two, and three in the NBA. Right. Just their roster and what they can do. Uh, they can play so many different styles of that roster. And I don't think there's many teams in the NBA that can then uh, manipulate their roster to, to match up in a lot of ways. I mean, they can go big and they can still be like pretty athletic if you think about it if they I don't know if it's a good idea to to put uh Davis and LeBron and Gasol on the same at the on the floor at the same time but maybe for like five minutes in the playoffs you do it and you just see what sure. you can get out of it sure maybe it backfires I don't know but, Why, but Gasol, know, who's guarding that right totally and Gasol can play on the high post he's such a good passer too right. right so he doesn't have to just run to the block like you could actually feasibly play Gasol at the four and Davis at the five sometimes right yeah, the po- I mean I, I heard a stat earlier today like the points that uh, they produce when they put Gasol and LeBron in the pick and roll together are just like, uh, it's like off the charts. Right. Because like, it, I mean, what are you doing? You're just spreading everyone else. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pulp shoots, shoots shoots threes really well. I mean, right. uh, AD, 
what are you, how are you going to guard him if you are, have all that focus around that pick and roll? Like, there's just so many things that they can do. I just, I, to me, they are the favorite until LeBron or AD goes down, and who knows. Yeah, I mean, they upgraded themselves significantly. I mean, you basically trade in Rondo for Dennis Schroeder, who's, yeah. uh, you know, a hundred years younger and a hundred times better than just Rondo. Having a spot up shoot threes, like, and he can slash. Like he's, yeah. I mean, he's exactly what you need around those players. And this kid they drafted out of Iowa State, this Taylor Horton Tucker kid, he looks like one of the breakout guys. He was like one of the best guys in the preseason. So we agree, the, the Lakers are certainly a contender. What about the other Los Angeles franchise, though? The the Clippers were sort of the co-favorites going into the bubble last year and then they just hit the skids and it was probably one of the most embarrassing and disappointing exits from the playoffs and as you and I have talked about when you make the trades that they made they basically mortgaged their whole future to set up this scenario where they got to win a championship in these two years and now one of them's gone so now they got to do it now because they don't have any any future after this right. yeah, I mean they could they could hope those guys resign or whatever but I mean they traded a million draft picks to, to set up this Kawhi Leonard, Paul George thing. So where are you at with the Clippers right now? Um, I mean, I never trust Paul George. It, right. I just can't. And he proved it again last year. And he says he had some, you know, struggles in the bubble or it's been reported that he did. But, like, he's never – you can't count on him in the playoffs often. Maybe, like, that one series where he was in Indiana and they played the Heat. Like, mm-hmm. he was really good in that series. But, like – He's just not somebody I feel like I can count on, and I, I don't like Nicholas Batum. Um, I really like the pickup of Serge Ibaka, but they, I don't think they're even a, a top three, maybe four team in the West. I, I, totally, I totally agree, and this is why I love talking NBA with you because you understand roster constructions about as well as anybody that I know. The layman fan, I think, thought, okay, Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers. He gets Paul George to run alongside him. That's an upgrade from the Raptors. That's not true. Yeah, I don't think so. Because you could say Paul George is a more is a better individual talent. He's been an All NBA player in his career. But Pascal Siakam and the other role, like quote unquote role players for the Raptors, they complemented Kawhi way better. Like if you're going to build it around Kawhi, it's got to be about Kawhi. And you also have guys. You have to have guys that want to follow Kawhi. Right. And I don't know if Paul George wants to follow anybody, and I don't think that Kawhi wants to drag Paul George's butt all the way around. Right. And, I mean, I just don't. I'm looking at their roster right now, and I just, like, Luke Kennard, people were exci- kind of excited about that, but, like, is is Luke Kennard a player you can count on? Like, I always think about this. If I'm, if I'm picturing who are the best teams, I look at their players and I think, what is my level of trust in them in the last two minutes and 30 seconds of a playoff game. Right. Do I trust Luke Kennard? He's played for the Pistons. Isn't it? He doesn't even know what the playoffs are. Right. He doesn't even know if they exist, really, because he's never been <laughs> close to them. Like, I, I just don't look at this roster and look at guys and be like, yeah, if he's standing in the corner and Paul George comes off a pick and roll and that guy's open, do I trust him to knock down the shot in the mm-hmm. big spot? And I just don't see guys on this roster that I trust a lot. So let's rip through a couple of these in the West because I think that we both agree that the, the Timberwolves are certainly not contenders, right? Oh, no. The Oklahoma City, uh, Thunder, Oklahoma the City Thunder are not even close to contenders. Mm-hmm. The Spurs are on the outside looking in for the mm-hmm. first time in a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um, where So the Kings probably not in the playoff mix. They're going to win it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, there's only two Sacramento Kings fans on planet Earth, Kyle Sample and Montana assistant basketball coach Jay Flores. Jay Flo, if you're listening, shout out. You you can come do your Sacramento Kings segment soon. He's been lobbying for it. Yes. It's been hectic lately. You know, we can't really have guests in the studio, but buddy, I promise if you are listening, you can come in sometime. But uh but honestly though, King's probably out, right? I don't see it happening. I, I just think they rely too much on a on Tyrese Halliburton right now. Marvin Bagley's a big question mark. Uh Buddy Heald is super selfish. Like, yeah, I right, just, right. You know, I just I don't see it. Are we on the same page that the Jazz are, are are fine, but they're just kind of stuck where they're at? Yeah, I think the Jazz could surprise, honestly. Like, Do I, you? I really like their roster. If Bogdanovich stays healthy, um, I really like what they have. I don't like the fact that Jordan Clarkson is on the team because I, <laughs> I, I just never like Jordan Clarkson. If you need like a couple quick buckets, nice to have him. But sure. like, overall, yeah. Uh, my, my whole question is, how, I like the Jazz core. I do. 
I think that the only way they get better, though, is for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to get better, and I don't really know how they get much better than they've already been, right? I don't. Does really Donovan Mitchell have a nut, another step to take, I guess, is the question. I think so. Yeah. I, think so. I mean, yeah. he could be an all-NBA guy. Oh, yeah. I, I think so, too. I think so. Um, it's tough because there's a lot of guards in the West. Right. Uh, well, there's a lot of guards everywhere, but there's a lot of guards specifically in the West. Like, he gets overshadowed a lot, but I, I definitely think he has the ability to do that. Like, he kind of showed it in the playoffs last year. He kind of showed it in the playoffs uh, the year before. Um, I didn't really understand the signing of Gobert. I liked when people were talking in the offseason that they might try to trade him, mm. um, see what they could get for him. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be better? I mean, he's such a good rim protector, but I know I, I kind of think that they I need something different, too. I don't know what you go out and get, but <laughs> this is just like off the top of my head, and I wouldn't. I would not trade Gobert straight up for this. I would want more, and the Knicks don't have more. But I really think it would be sweet if they had Mitchell Robinson. Hmm, that's an interesting one. But they don't, and, they, and they're not going to get him because they, you know, they did what they did. Sure. Like, I think that's really interesting. If you, put, if you gravitate back towards the style they played two years ago, playing Donovan Mitchell on the ball a bunch, and you can get like a high-pick-and-roll guy to play with Donovan Mitchell, because Gobert kind of does that, but he can't pop, so he, he's, he's kind of one-dimensional. If you had more of a high-pick-and-roll type guy, Maybe that compliments Mitchell. I don't know. I, th- I think that Quinn Starr is a good coach. I do think they have yeah. a good core. I, just, I don't know how they get into that upper upper echelon. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're there yet. Like, but they could, they could certainly be. I would not be surprised if they're in the the quarterfinals. Okay, so young young teams now. Who you like the most out of the Phoenix Suns, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Denver Nuggets? The Suns. The Suns. I, mean, I really like the Nuggets too. It's hard. I mean, it's hard not to like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they went to the conference is finals. So good, and he is exactly like if you give him the ball in the last two and a half minutes, he's absolutely producing. He's this is gonna. This was a surprise that I saw today, but he's the most clutch player in the league. Uh, it doesn't surprise me. His numbers, like his shooting numbers in the last ten seconds of games, he's the most clutch player in the league. Uh, um, but the Suns, I just love their roster construction. I love everything about that team. I do too, and I think they have a really good chance to to turn it around. I think Chris Paul's so awesome to have with those young guys, like a real professional, a, a guy who gets everything out of his team. Like a Thunder team that he was on last year had no business being as good as they were, and it's no. like he made them that way. Just everything that he brings, right? And he's a huge pain in the. Can you say it? Can you, oh, yeah, yeah, you can say ass. Yeah. He's a huge pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, but he gets everything out of your team, and he's so dedicated to winning. And hopefully, like he can actually bring this team uh, far in the playoffs because he deserves it. Nuanas now, Kyle Sample with me, Coulter Nuanas breaking down the NBA. On the other side, then the East. What you just said about Chris Paul is so money because I was thinking when Chris Paul was kind of getting shopped around, if he could somehow end up in Philly. That could be the thing that could help. We watched the Sixers game last night. That's what we lost the money on. But you were literally screaming and throwing things at the TV because Joel Embiid is just, at the same time, one of the most beautifully talented and just exponentially frustrating players in all of pro sports. It's almost as if the guy doesn't realize, like, dude, you're 7'2". Like, just go to the block and, and hammer people. Instead, he's shooting Turn around, fade away, twelve footers. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, at one point he had, he had Jeff Green on him, like at the elbow, and he dribbled like kind of towards the baseline, and then did some fancy ball handling and turned around and shot this like fadeaway jumper where he was behind the backboard. It's like, just go at Jeff Green, back him down, and then just dunk on his face. Just that's all you have to do. You're Joel Embiid, and for the most part this season he's done it, but they haven't played. I mean, their wins have not come against anybody sure. impressive. They're 7-2 first place in the East, but you're right. They have a hollow win-loss record to me, but they're an experiment, and I'm not sure. I don't trust they, Doc Rivers at all. They they are – Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid remind me of a couple kids that are really talented but also really spoiled mm-hmm. that have been enabled – their whole lives, and no one's ever just sat him down, yelled at him, and just spanked him and grounded him. Yeah. They've gotten away with everything. Yeah, it just seems like Joel Embiid just thinks like it should be given to him almost. And that's why Chris Paul would have been so great, because Chris Paul would have been like, guys, here's the thing. You guys can sit here and talk about your $100 million contracts and your shoe deals or whatever, but you guys haven't done anything. Have they even won a playoff series? One, maybe? Yeah, they won... Two? Two. Two. They won one last year. Two, sure. they won one the year before, because they got... To that series against Toronto, right, where they almost won that if it wasn't for Kawhi's shot. So they've had some success in the past, but like, I don't even know if they work. 
I mean, I'm still not sold on that working yet. Even with shooters around them, like I'm, yeah, I'm just not sold. And they're well, they obviously not. don't like each other too. I mean, that's been well reported, well chronicled. That's what people say. Um, they also have Tobias Harris, and anytime you have Tobias Harris on your team, that's Jeez. just that's just a bad thing for you. I mean, that that last the last little GM moves that they were making, where it was like we're going to roll with Al Horford, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid. It's like, have you guys ever watched basketball? Those guys are all individually talented, except for maybe Tobias Harris. But regardless, that doesn't fit together at all. There's no flow that could possibly happen from that. Okay, we're, we're, we're running out of time, so we're going to maybe circle back around to this in the second hour. Uh, but I do got to ask you this one last thing. Between, I think we both think the Bucks are going to be right there. They do have the two-time MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, I think that we both think the Celtics are good with Brad Stevens and the young core that they have. Are the Nets, are cont- I mean, contender or pretender for the, new, for the, uh, for the Brooklyn Nets? I think they're a contender. Especially I mean, when Kevin Durant comes. If Kevin Durant back. and Kyrie Irving as crazy as he is, uh, he's good in the playoffs. Like he he's he's stepped up on the he's he's hit big shots, he's been in big games, he's good in the playoffs, and then you have Durant. So yeah. And they have so much depth. Ron is now maybe second hour, we'll circle back around to some NBA stuff. But we gotta get out because Mike Dugar from the Athletic coming up right after this, our twelve for the twelves. We'll have some free Dobie's teriyaki to give away to you as well. We'll break down the Seattle Seahawks playoff game tomorrow. What if there was a place where you could walk in, get physical therapy, play, pay a flat fee, and feel better? Well, there is. PhysioTrek, Missoula's only walk-in physical therapy office. PhysioTrek offers physical therapy on your time with a flat fee so you can feel better faster. No need for referrals. Just go to PhysioTrek.com, book your appointment, and feel better today. You know you've been wanting to try dry needling or some more specific stretches. All that stuff would help you, I promise. You can do that now at PhysioTrek. Visit PhysioTrek.com or book an in-clinic or telehealth appointment today. That's physiotrek.com. Mike Dugar from The Athletic, 12 for 12s, breaking down the Seattle Seahawks' upcoming playoff matchup right after this. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going to be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. Welcome back. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. Coulter Nuana is here, Kyle Sample there, co-hosting with me for today. We're not going to waste any time. we got to get right to it. By the way, though, keep this number in mind, 361-3688. That's 361-3688. In a couple minutes here, we're going to be giving you some Dobie's Teriyaki. Dobie's is the best Seattle-style teriyaki you'll find anywhere other than Seattle. 
And on that note, it's time for 12 for the 12. It's presented by Dobie's Teriyaki featuring Mike Dugar, the beat writer for the Seattle Seahawks from The Athletic. And, Mike, we got a new look around here. No more two-till, but I'm still riding it out. And you actually might remember Sample, probably not, but you guys actually probably crossed paths and maybe even met at the Big Sky Tournament once upon a time when you were covering Idaho and he was covering the Grizz. But either way, thanks for joining us, and let's get right to this Seattle Seahawks game uh, against the Los Angeles Rams. I remember when we talked a few weeks back when the Seahawks were coming off that loss to the Cardinals, you and I both agreed that Seattle was in a little bit of trouble and they were going to have to do some work uh, to, to reascend to the top of the NFC West and reascend to the top of the playoff picture. Well, they did that work. They finished 12-4, and won the NFC West, and secured the number 3 seed. So in your mind, since that loss to the Cardinals, what's been the biggest transition? What's changed the most for the Seattle Seahawks? game um, when they were just pretty bad on both sides. They put up 34 points, uh, but Russ turned it over like four times. Uh, I think the defense gave up a season-high 44 points. Like, it was just bad. And it sounds like on that long flight back, everyone had to just kind of look themselves in the mirror. Um, The offense ended up just, like, kind of going the wrong way. But the defense, what it did was like, yo, we need to fix ourselves. And they went out and became, like, the best pass rush in the league. Um, I think, I mean, there's splits since that game are just ridiculous. It's in the first eight games of the year, I want to say the Seahawks were like the worst pass rush team in the league, and then at the final eight, they were the best. They were giving up like 30 points a game in the first eight games, and then in the final eight games, they were only giving up like 16 points. I guess some of the numbers that like illustrated too, but those are the ones that come up off the top of my head. Like the defensive turnaround midseason with the addition of Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap while also scratching out Quentin Dunbar. It just changed their whole season. Their number since then suggests they're one of the top three defenses left in the league right now. Is the biggest change in the pass rush and or the defensive improvements, is it, is it personnel? Is it scheme? Is it both? What, what's, the, what's the biggest factor? I think it's a little bit of everything. But I mean, you can't, you can't overestimate. Uh, you can't overstate, I should say, the impact of personnel. I mean, Jamal Adams and Carlos Dunlap, they're, I think they're the two leading sack guys. Maybe Jay Reed has more than Carlos, but Jay Reed didn't really come on until Carlos came. Right? So, like, you really just can't overstate the impact of just having good players on the roster because defense is really about that. You know, you can you can have, like, one or two, like, hot shots uh, on offense that kind of get the thing rolling, but defense, you kind of need every, your 11th guy to be solid as well. Otherwise, you just get burned. You know, he'll he'll stink and he'll blow the whole thing up. Um, so I think the personnel has been huge. I think the the scheme has changed a little bit as well. I mean, you look at go back to that Arizona game you mentioned where they lost. They just they just looked out of sorts. Even the Buffalo game, they were running a bunch of cover zero, and that Arizona game they lost looked like they were dropping eight a lot of the time to try to make sure uh, like they kept Kyler Murray in front of them, and it resulted in them not pressuring Kyler Murray at all really. And then you look at these last I would say eight games, and it's a lot more of like the Pete Carroll style rush four, cover three. You know, single high safety. Just It looks like a normal Seahawks defense. Not too complex, really simple. And when it's simple, guys know what they're supposed to do and can execute it and play faster. So I think it's the combo of the of the personnel changes, getting a guy who just broke the DB sack record in nine games, getting him back, uh, and then also just getting back to just being more simple on defense. Because if you look at those cover 3D teams from the LOB years, that's why they're running. It's like 90% of the time, and it just works. Mike, over that time, they, they have uh, not really played offenses that set the world on fire, right? They've played um, a lot of the NFC East teams. They played uh, the Rams twice. They played the Niners. They played uh, the Jets. So are they closer to – is this what we've seen for the last eight weeks? Is, is this defense – has it actually turned a corner, or is it also a product of – the offenses that they've played and the fact that some of those offenses are just not going to put up numbers. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a slight uh, caveat or an asterisk or whatever to some of those numbers just because I think they played like five quarterbacks in that stretch in the last eight games that I'm pretty sure won't be starters in 2021. <laughs> Colt McCoy, um, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Dwayne Haskins. Um, there's another one in there CJ Beathard. I'm, I'm forgetting yeah, CJ Bethel, there we go. Thank you. So that's, that's five guys that probably won't start in 2021. So there's a little bit of an asterisk there, but that's where I think numbers like uh, what, D, what the DVOA stands for mm-hmm. in football outsiders advanced metric, that adjusts for your opponent. So if you smoke the Jets, it adjusts for the fact that you smoke the Jets. 
But I will point out that the Jets won their last their next two games after losing to the Seahawks. So against two playoff teams in Cleveland and L.A. too. So maybe the Jets aren't that bad, or at least weren't at the end of the season. So there is a little bit of that you have to factor in. But also with the numbers they put up, they didn't just become a good defense playing those bad teams. They, they became great. The only thing they didn't do at a really high level was turn teams over uh, very much. But if you look at just their you know, percentage of drives that ended in punts, points allowed is probably the best indicator. Like 16 points allowed. They went two straight weeks, I think, without allowing a touchdown. Um, or had two games without allowing a touchdown, I think, against the Jets and against the Rams. Like, that's just really hard, you know, to do. So I, I, I really do think that they turned a corner. And uh, to shout out the DVOA of Football Outsiders again, I think they finished the year, like, 14th overall, which they were crap earlier in the year. So just to make that big of a jump when you're adjusting for opponent really does say a lot. The defense is legit right now, regardless of who they're playing. We sort of started to sound that alarm the Cardinals gave, but that that was kind of the spark of this three losses in four weeks, and that culminated with a 23-16 loss against the Los Angeles Rams in L.A., and that was one that you called, Mike. I remember going into that game, you were saying, hey, I think it's a bad matchup. I think Sean McVay's had Pete Carroll's number lately, but then since then, Seattle just one loss against six wins, so they really turned the corner, including then getting retribution and beating the Rams 20-9 on December 27th, and so now, it seems as if, although McVay did have Carroll's number before, the Seahawks have the most recent victory. Does that play a factor in this weekend's game? Yeah, I think so. And if you look at how they won um, at Week 16, you know, the Rams' offense stunk. Right? Like, that's something we're just not used to seeing against the Pete Carroll defense. Like, they didn't score a touchdown. That's really, really hard to do. They got right to, like, one-inch line and, and just basically gave it away with some what I thought were some, some bad play calls and also uh, just really good defense by the Seahawks. You know, I think that's probably the most like sustainable thing is the Rams offense just not having it together, whether they start John Walford or whether they start uh, Jared Goff. They're just not in a good groove right now. They're, they're just not. I think the defense of the Rams has more touchdowns in the last two weeks than the offense of the Rams, which pretty much tells you everything you need to know about how, like, you know, imbalanced this team really is. Like, the defense is clearly, clearly, clearly leading the way. The offense just doesn't have it. And it starts at the quarterback position, right? Jared Goff is good for at least one of those what the hell are you thinking plays every week. And you just you can't afford that in the playoffs because you'll lose, right? I think Pete Carroll told us after they um, beat the Niners, he was like, we're 12-0 when we're even or plus in point dif- or turnover differential. Um, so if you're the Rams, like I think they had a negative point differ- or turnover differential for the season despite having a defense that was turning the other team over like every other week. That's how bad their offense was. And so I don't really think that that's going to be good enough uh, going forward. I mean, the Seattle offense ain't been lighting up the scoreboard either. Uh, Their quarterback has been protecting the ball. And in a game like this with two good defenses, that legitimately might be what it comes down to, which quarterback, you know, protects the ball uh, better. He is Mike Dugars, the 12 for the 12 segment we present to you every week, presented by Dobie's Teriyaki. Mike covers the Seattle Seahawks for the athletic, breaking down the Seattle Seahawks. We are the official affiliates for the Seattle Seahawks for all throughout all Western Montana. And Mike, you mentioned the quarterbacks, Jared Goff's uh, surgery on his thumb. And so any update on that avenue? And if so, does it change the way Seattle prepares for this game? It changes a little bit. I'm not sure the latest on it. I think Sean McVay is like, playing it close to the vest, like, as, as, as close as he can, to be honest. I think he's probably not going to make it known to the public until, I mean, maybe, like, Ian Rappaport breaks it, you know, the morning of the game. But they're going to try to take it all the way through warm-ups and everything. It really doesn't matter if you're the Seahawks. Like, if Jared Goff's in there, business as usual. You know what you do? You played him twice. A lot of the guys on the team have played him a lot more than that. You do what you got to do. Same thing, simple. If the Walford dude's in there, like, you just account for the same scheme. Like, no team's going to reinvent the wheel in a matter of a week. So, you're the same scheme. And maybe he might take off a little bit more because he's more mobile. That's it. That's the main difference there. The, the mobility part, it's not going to catch them off guard because now it's already on tape. Once things are on tape in the NFL, like, teams will figure it out. It takes some teams longer than other, but they'll get to it eventually, right? So, I think the only difference is Walford's legs. And if he plays... Uh, yes, he can run, but he can't throw leg off, too. So it's like there's this give and take of where, like, neither guy is really that good. If, and if they turn it over, which they probably will, um, then the Rams will probably lose. 
Give us a call right now, 361-3688. That's 361-3688. Number two caller. Number two, we got a $25 gift card for you to Dobie's Teriyaki in Missoula, the best Seattle-style teriyaki anywhere in Missoula. And, Mike, we'll get you out of here on this. You just broke down all the keys to the game, but what's the pick for the game? How do the Seattle Seahawks fare this weekend? I think it'll be pretty close. I think two touchdowns um, should be enough, you know, to get it done uh, for the Seahawks. I think they'll probably win like 17, 13. I think they're like three and a half points favorites right now. So that would be them winning and covering. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, don't gamble. But if you do, uh, I would would probably take the Seahawks. And I'll take the under, whatever the under is uh, right now. I think uh, having the better quarterback, even if he hasn't been that great by his standards, having the better one with a really good defense um, that's pretty healthy, like they have all their starters, um, having that this week I think is going to be the difference. And would probably be like an ugly game, quote-unquote, like for the broadcast itself, but I'm going to enjoy it because we're going to get a lot of like elite defenders, a lot of Pro Bowl and All-Pro guys on the defensive side of the ball in this game, and I'm going to enjoy it. I think the Seahawks come out on top. So don't gamble tomorrow? Oh, that's my whole plan. <laughs> no gambling, don't right, gamble. Mike? <laughs> yeah, no, hashtag never gamble, man. Don't do it. <laughs> he is Mike Dugar from The Athletic. He's been great enough to join us all season long, breaking down the Seattle Seahawks. And, Mike, just so we get to talk to you, we got no rooting interest in this thing, but just so we get to talk to you, we hope that the Seattle Seahawks are playing at least another week. Maybe even if they're not, we'll catch up with you again. But either way, my man, thanks so much for joining us, and be well. Good luck this weekend. All right, thank you guys for having me. Nuanas now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula. The Missoula Class AA high school teams on the boys' side for boys' basketball swept yesterday, all three of them, with victories. It's been a long time since then. We'll highlight a couple of those as part of our Garden City Spotlight. And I got a question for Mr. Kyle Sample. Coulter Nuanas, Kyle Sample, Nuanas now. Back after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Gotta love it. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide SWX Montana Television. Want to follow us on social media? You can hit us up on Twitter at 1029 ESPN on Twitter at Skyline Sports MT. You can also go to ESPN Missoula page on Facebook. It says back, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula. Coulter Nuana is broadcasting to you from the ESPN Missoula studios at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. My good buddy, former colleague, recovering sports writer Kyle Sample joining me in studio. We're about to get to our Garden City Spotlight presented by Oral Surgical Associates. But first, got to Given a happy trails to Tommy Lasorda, 19, a uh, uh, guy that was uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers manager for 20 years. He passed away today at the age of 93. Two-time World Series champion, two-time National League Manager of the Year, and a baseball Hall of Famer. And Sam, well, it's actually, it, I, I find Tommy Lasorda a fascinating character because Tommy Lasorda obviously had success. I mean, he won two World Series titles. But it seems like he's remembered with more reverence than than so many different managers. Why do you think that is? I think it's because he's such a character. He's a character. He's, he was he's, with the same franchise for a long time. Yeah, he's not uh, Joe Torre, who is just sure. this staunch guy who sat back with his arms crossed. Mm-hmm. You know, he had... He, he was a real character in baseball, and like he's always going to be remembered as that. Uh, I think even 50 years from now, people are going to still talk about Tommy Lasorda, even though his success... Two World Series is good, really, really, really good, but yeah. it's not like... It's not Joe Torre's level of sure, success, but sure. I still think people will remember him better than they might Joe Torre. It's so interesting the way the game's changed, too, because I think that there was there's like this group of managers from that same time period, 80s and 90s, guys like Bobby Cox and Lou Piniella. Like those guys, they were just, they were, they were such stars within their own right. Now it's like, guys, I mean, Joe Madden's a little bit famous, I guess, Terry Francona, but it's not really like... 
guys that have the level of, of prestige that a Tommy Lasorda has, right? No, and I think it's just baseball, too. I mean, it's just sure. like baseball just is not in our, you know, it's in the sports right. world what it was when Tommy Lasorda was the guy. No question. Like, those guys were, um, the Tommy Lasorda was playing games on NBC, not the MLB network. So, right. <laughs> it's a totally different deal. Right. Time for our Garden City Spotlight presented by Oral Surgical Associates of Missoula. Dr. Gene Morris, best oral surgeon you're going to find anywhere. Gino hooked me up. With my new tooth, got a tooth implant, got it all fixed up. If you have any sort of oral surgical needs, Oral, Surgi- oral Surgical Associates of Missoula offers compassionate care, advanced technology, and comprehensive treatment. Oral Surgical Associates, Dr. G. Morris, provides a full range of care, including implants, emergency surgeries, and wisdom teeth removal. For more information on any procedure you might need, visit, visit oralsurgicalassociates.com or stop by the office there right on the corner of Higgins and Beckwith. Our Garden City Spotlight this week, first one yet. We did this, we, we debuted this segment in the fall, highlighting the football teams from around the city of Missoula. Now we're going to talk a little basketball. Last night, great night for the Garden City. Missoula Hellgate posted a 47-41 win over Helena High. Missoula Sentinel posted a 77-64 win over Kalispell Flathead. And Missoula Big Sky, helping the sweep be complete, posted a 61-54 win over Kalispell Glacier. Sentinel and Hellgate have both been really good the last couple of years. Actually, they've been good for quite some time, really. Jeff Hayes has done a great job. Jay Jigelski always had Sentinel uh, competitive. And now with a new coach there and Coach Mackey, I think Sentinel has a real chance this year, especially with Alex Germer, the Division One commit to Montana State, leading the way. But it's been Big Sky that's really been struggling. They only, I think, won one game a year ago. So to have them get back on track and get a little win here early on, good for the Big Sky Eagles. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all develops because Hellgate has a ton of question marks having to Play seven seniors from last year's team, including Raleigh Wooster, who's tearing it up at Utah State, as well as Abe Johnson, who was also a Division One recruit. He's at West Point. At the, he's at the Army. And uh, Sentinel, though they have some, they have a lot of talent. Can they put it together? Because they've had a lot of talent lately. They've been state tournament team, but not really a state championship contender. But Alex Germer, thirty-seven points for the Spartans last night. So a great debut for him. And then Big Sky. 14 points each for Chaz Ledoux and Kate Olson. So a good night to start out from the Garden City's three Class AA boys basketball teams. Did you get a chance to watch Hellgate much last year? You're a Hellgate alum. Did you get a chance to good watch night. much uh, Hellgate last year? No, I didn't. I wanted to, and I just never got around to it. I wanted to see uh, Worcester play. Yeah. Um, I never got to see him play in high school. I just got to see him play like pickup when he would do that with... Uh, in the offseason. He's he's good, man. He's really good. He's proven I mean he's starting at Utah he's State. 10 points a game. Yeah, I mean he's 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 great. I mean it's not just like a you know kind of upstart freshman like he's starting and averaging double figures as a true freshman at a like top 30 program. I mean, it's right. pretty impressive. Right. It's pretty good. It's pretty cool too that uh he's doing it there because like, you know, was it 40 years ago, uh Montana had a connection to Utah State. For sure. Um God, why is his name? Wayne Estes. Yeah, Wayne Estes. For sure. Uh was like one of the best players in Utah State history, probably. Uh, he's one of the best players in college basketball history. I mean, yeah. I think he averaged like 37 points per game. He was going to be a top pick and then tragically passed away. Anaconda yeah. native. Yeah, they actually, the Utah State ties run sort of deep. Stu Morrill. Yeah, you because know, Stu Morrill was there forever. Former University of Montana coach. He was at Utah State for, I think, 16 seasons. Yeah. And he brought a, a couple Montana guys down. The Riley Bradshaw, Riley Bradshaw the most recent there. one, yeah. uh, to go down to Utah State. So uh, there has been some Utah State connections in the past. And it's a good program. I mean, Craig Smith's doing a great job with them as well. I think they've gotten an eight seed in the NCAA tournament each of the last couple of years. And I mean, Sam Merrill was a, a Naismith Award winner finalist last year. I think right. he actually might have even won the Wooden Award. So uh, Utah State's quality basketball. So uh, congratulations to Raleigh Wooster. I was going to ask you a hypothetical Hellgate question, but we don't have time. Jim O'Day just walked in the door, former Montana Athletic Director. We're going to talk conference realignments. What's next with the WAC? What's next with Southern Utah? What's next with Boise State? And a variety of other things as well. That was, by the way, the um, Garden City Spotlight presented us to us by Oral Surgical Associates of Missoula. Hour one in the books. Hour two. Jim O'Day, University of Mon- former University of Montana Athletic Director, joining myself, Coulter Nuanas, and Kyle Sample right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. It is Nuanas Now. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 